0: Tonight to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 25. To my media and sound team, I apologize for that. was a typo. It says Jeremiah 24. It should be 25. Jeremiah 25 is where I'd like to start. And while you're finding that, I'm going to ask the Lord. Let's ask the Lord to be involved with us. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the many prophets you raised up to tell us about these times that we're living in. God, you cared so long ago to move upon those men Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, so that we might know, Father God, what is to come. Plus, you've sent your spirit to live within us, and Jesus said that when He comes, He will not leave you as orphans, but He will show you things to come. And so I thank you, Father God, that we are a prepared people. Lord, give me utterance tonight. Think through my mind, speak through my voice. Give the people a heart and mind to grab hold, to comprehend, and to never be the same. I just so thank you for the building up of the body of Christ. I thank you so much for the edification of the saints that comes when truth is revealed. God, we thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, in my personal time that I have with God, uh, he's been emphasizing to me the book of Daniel. And we'll be heading to the book of Daniel, but I wanted to give you a little bit of historical context and background before we got there. And I want to minister a message to you tonight, as the Lord would help me, that I've entitled Welcome to the Exile. (laughs) Welcome to the Exile. Uh, To to be exiled means to be formally banished from your place of birth, uh, to be forcibly removed, or to no longer be welcome. Uh, Amen. And uh, so that's what the word exile uh, means. I heard a minister that I greatly respect uh, in, you know, uh, talking about what he had is on his heart, what the Lord's been emphasizing to him for the American church, for the American Christian, in the light of all that we see happening in our nation today. And uh, he said Christians need to prepare to live like Daniels in Babylon. And that just really flipped a switch in me. That just bore witness with me and, and what I understand. And uh, so we're going to get into that night and you're going to get some help. Amen. You're going to be encouraged. I hope you came to get encouraged. Amen. Uh, there's just so much the Lord is uh, emphasizing to me and reminding me of that gives me so much confidence and so much hope about what we can expect in this season right now as God's people. So are you ready for some of that? Amen. Well, of course, uh, you know, I have you in Jeremiah. Daniel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah. Uh, You may not know this because of the way the Bible's laid out. Uh, Your Bible's not laid out in chronological order. Now, thank God Genesis is the beginning and Revelation is the end. But all the books in the middle are not necessarily laid out in chronological order. In fact, uh, scholars tell us that the book of Job is actually older than Genesis it's the oldest book in the Bible okay and uh, so you just need to understand that and so whether you're reading uh, the book of Kings or Chronicles there's a lot of labor but you have the history laid out of Israel right primarily in Kings in Chronicles but the the major prophets even the minor prophets Uh, now when I say major prophets you might not know what I'm referring to Uh, that's just another uh, theological term that they used to describe the prophets that wrote bigger books Their writings were larger. Doesn't mean they had more importance in the mind of God. But Isaiah's book has, what, 67, 68 chapters in it. They called the book of Isaiah a mini-Bible. It's kind of a Bible in itself. It's so all-encompassing. But anyway, to help you understand what was going on with uh, Israel, uh, with this man Daniel... Uh, and the ones you know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those were not their Hebrew names. Those were the names a pagan king gave those three Hebrews. But anyway, uh, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, they were all alive at the time that Daniel was alive. All right? Now, by the time Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are alive in Jerusalem, okay, uh, for many years, the kingdom of Israel had been split in two. Just a few generations from David, the kingdom was removed from David's descendants because of sin and waywardness and disobedience and the breaking of covenant with God. You know, God had promised that David would have a descendant on the throne of Israel forever. And he preserved and kept that promise in keeping a descendant of David on the throne of Judah. But uh, some tribes, primarily Judah and a few other tribes, went with one king, during a split, and then Israel uh, had, a, had its own king also. And the two kingdoms, once they split, were never reunited. They won't be reunited again until Jesus reunites them. And so there was a divided kingdom. So they're all very close geographically. I mean, the whole land of Israel that we know it today is just about the size of New Jersey, all right? So you're not talking about a massive ge- geographic region, but you had Judah and you had... Israel, all right, but for years and years uh, Daniel and, and here if you lived in Jerusalem you saw your nation grow darker and darker more and more wicked they strayed further and further from their roots, from their God, from their founding from their re- for their reason for God having raised them up God raised up Israel for some holy and precious importance, reasons, right? Number one, the oracles of God's word were given to the Hebrews, amen, for all the Gentile world to be blessed by, amen? God also raised up Israel so that they would be a sheep nation. They would be an example nation. God would demonstrate His covenant, His goodness, His love, His power, His judgment, His commandments, His faithfulness, not to be exclusive to the world, but so that they, the, the Gentile nations could watch Israel and become a sheep nation. Amen? Really, God raised up Abraham's descendants in the nation of Israel to be the first church to the world. But they blew it. Their kings disobeyed God. They worshiped idols. They sacrificed their uh, children to false gods and fire. They did evil things. They... they broke the covenant with God and what God would do He's so merciful he would raise up prophets he raised up the prophet Ezekiel he raised up the prophet Jeremiah he raised up many prophets to come and speak the word of the Lord to them he was patient 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 amen but eventually these prophets amen declared that God had enough that he was divorcing himself from the nation of Israel amen Uh, and that they would be driven into their land. That's what happens to nations that forsake God, forsake the Word, give themselves to darkness, uh, embrace false gods, worship idols, oppress the poor, commit sexual immorality, shed the blood of the innocent. It doesn't matter how wonderful that nation used to be. It didn't matter how... Uh, blessed that nation used to be it didn't matter how favored that nation used to be from God if they leave God if they depart from the ways of God eventually without repentance judgment is going to fall yeah. Yeah. Right. amen and so let's look at some of the words of Jeremiah here y'all with me so far I got I feel like I got my motor running all right we're out of idle mode I'm out of neutral we're, we're going somewhere So in uh, Jeremiah 25, verse 8, just a sampling here of the decree of the word of the Lord. Now remember, Daniel's alive, living in Jerusalem at this time, all right? Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words. Now, God's not speaking to an individual. He's speaking to the nation of Judah, the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel both. Because you have not heard my words, behold, I will send... And take all the families of the north, saith the Lord. Now, from north from Israel, he's not talking north from your house. <laughs> he's talking north from Israel, where they are. You have modern-day Iraq in Iran. But really, he's talking about Iraq, which is ancient Babylon, which we'll talk about tonight, okay? Okay. And uh, so he said, I'm going to cause these families of the north, saith the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them, notice God's involved with this, I will bring them against this land. That's sad, isn't it? God's going to bring a pagan king and a pagan army against his own people and his own land. That's tragic. Yeah. And against the inhabitants thereof, and against all these nations round about, and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hissing and a perpetual desolations and moreover i will take from them the voice of mirth and gladness the voice of bridegroom the voice of the bride the sound of the millstone see all the party all the fun you've had that's all going away that sounds edifying right just stay with me you will be encouraged <laughs> and the light of the candle. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. God's going to punish them for 70 years. Now, is that going to affect Daniel? Does that mean Daniel? Does that mean Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon, and that nation. That's how God does. You may be the instrument of judging God's people, but if you participate, you're going to get licked. That's what's sad about this, you know, apparently new administration. They're already declaring that we're going to push for more divided land, Israel to give up land. That's just not going to work out. Not for the United States, that's not for their iniquity in the land of the chaldeans and i will make it perpetual uh, desolations i will bring upon that land all my words which i have pronounced against it even all that is written in this book which jeremiah has prophesied against all the nations so that's that now go to second kings chapter 20 i gotta hurry because i'm just trying to get something foundational in y'all give me a few minutes tonight you'll learn something i believe it'll help you Been helping me 2nd Kings 20 and we're going to look at beginning at verse 16 now in this book I believe this is the prophet Isaiah again a different prophet alive at the same time but he's dealing with the same issue okay so 2nd Kings 20 verse 16 says and Isaiah said unto Hezekiah now Hezekiah is a descendant of David and he's reigning on the throne of Judah hear the word of the Lord Behold, the days come that all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. Now, there's a temple there in Jerusalem, which Solomon built. Beautiful. They've never had a temple like it. Tense. They've had temples, but not like that. And here, the prophet Isaiah is speaking for the Lord, saying, Everything in this land, everything in your city, everything in your temple, it's all going to be taken. It's all going to be carried away into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. You know, if God declares something like He did here, is prayer and intercession going to change that? Prayer and intercession is a powerful thing. But when God makes a decree like this, you could fast, you can beg, you could cry. Amen. Amen. You do all you want to do, it's not going to change it. It's not going to change it, right? It's not going to change it. And so anyway, uh, praise God. And so that's what he said. And of your sons that shall come from thee or issue from thee, which you shall beget or have or birth, shall they take away and they shall be eunuchs, that's castrated males, in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, good is the word of the Lord. Now this is some mentality. This, this gives you a little bit of clue about why judgment came. Why would he call this a good word? If I gave that to you about your kids and grandkids, would you call that a good word? No, that would be terrible. It said, Hezekiah said, uh, good is the word of the Lord which you have spoken. And he said, it is not good. Is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? So see, he, what he got out of what Isaiah said, well, it's not going to happen to me. It won't happen in my time, just my kids and grandkids. How selfish, short-sighted, hard-hearted, dark, sinful you, has to be your thinking, right? To be okay with your future seed and generations going to hell. Amen. Amen living castrated in a pagan king's land. But it's not going to happen to you, so all is well. Amen? That's just terrible. Now flip over to the 24th chapter, and then we'll get to Daniel. So these are decrees that are coming out of major prophets in the land at the time that Daniel's alive. Okay? And so it says in uh, chapter 2 Kings 24:1, In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, King of Babylon came up and Jehoiakim. Now, Jehoiakim's the king of Israel. Hezekiah's king of Judah, okay? Uh, And I I might have that wrong. He could just be a few few years later from Hezekiah, but it really doesn't matter in the context of what we're preaching. In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up and Jehoiakim became his servant three years. Now, what's that mean? Well... Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, it's, it's risen up as the most powerful, influential, wealthy, dangerous, expanding empire in the land. And they came against Israel, and this king Jehoiakim, he didn't appeal to God, he surrendered and became a slave state to temporarily appease Nebuchadnezzar to keep his army out of the land. He said, well, what do you want from us? We'll just serve you. And he did that for three years. So basically all of, all of God's people now in the land are slave states. They're just slave citizens. They, they're still called Hebrews and Israelites for a while, but a pagan king is ruling them. You with me? You need to kind of hear all this in the light of what's going on today, all right? If you don't, you'll miss the boat, okay. And so he did this three years, verse 1, and then he turned and rebelled against him. So he just said, enough of this, I'm going to fight back. And the Lord sent against him, which is Jehoiakim, Israel's king, bands of Chaldees and bands of Syrians and bands of Moabites and bands of the children of Ammon, and sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servants, the prophets, which I've been telling you about. Surely at the commandment of the Lord came this upon Judah, to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh according to all that he did and also for the innocent blood that he shed for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood and the Lord would not pardon all right now you go to Daniel chapter 1 and we'll get into the meat of it I think we're going to make it it's just now 8 okay Daniel chapter 1 so here's this decree and it's beginning to come to pass Okay, it's beginning to come to pass. And, you know, Israel, what if they want to panic now and say, Oh, where's that covenant at? Oh, it's too late. God's already decreed it. You're going to be given into the hand of an enemy for 70 long years. And in 586, and it flipped over 87 and 86 B.C. before Christ, Nebuchadnezzar's army set siege to the city of Jerusalem, set it on fire, Tore down the wall, decimated it, burned the city to ashes, looted the temple, took all those beautiful shields. He took all the vessels that Solomon had made out of pure gold. They lit the thing on fire. The gold melted off the walls. They took it all. They took everything back to Babylon. They murdered, I mean, thousands of Hebrews. Amen? 586 B.C. And so, but this is, why did this happen? Back to referring to 2 Kings 24, he said, because of the sins of Manasseh. So I'm not a big uh, Old Testament historian or anything, but I looked up some of the sins of Manasseh. You want to know what they were? Manasseh was a bloodthirsty uh, mass murderer. He was was an idol worshiper, which means he did not worship the true God. He worshipped false gods. He encouraged the nation he led to abandon God. What happens to a nation when their leaders are godless, faithless, worship false gods, and encourage the nation to do the same? He built pagan temples. Um, Amen. He sacrificed one of his own sons into the fires of Moloch now Moloch was a false god that right in the womb area right where the where and where the baby would come out in the mother they had a hole and they had a fire and what they do is they'd sacrifice their children and throw it in there it's a symbol of abortion today it's a symbol of abortion today so demonically, in what spirit we're relating to, when you sacrifice your children for convenience sake or for the false, you know, false idol, you don't want your life to be inconvenienced. Whatever, no condemnation, okay? I'm just saying, demonically, in the spirit, you're, you're throwing that innocent child into the demonic fire. And he had done this so much just in the city of Jerusalem that God said, you filled the streets of Jerusalem with innocent blood. And I will not pardon it. Now, I, don't, I, I could give you, I just read the recent statistics around the world the last 50 years of the number of children. But just in America, it's well over 47 million innocent children have been killed in their mother's wombs since Roe v. Wade was passed. Listen, I love America. i die for America. But America still doesn't seem many, right, especially in our leaders. And God, God's looking at the leaders. They seem like they're okay with that. In fact, I understand today, I stayed away from the news today, but I did get this, Glenn, that all those little flags they planted, every one of those was sponsored. Every one of the money that was sponsored for one of those flags goes to Planned Parenthood, which is the premier abortion industry provider in America today. This is why I say, this is why I get so passionate when I don't understand Christians who vote the way they do sometimes. And if that makes you mad, that bothers you, that rustles your feathers, you just going to have to get over it because I don't get it. I just don't. And maybe it's a deception, maybe you just haven't seen it, maybe, I don't know, but people need to get there. But listen, I'm just showing you a type and a shadow of what happens. God sent that whole nation, that He decreed that whole nation judged one reason was because of the sins of Manasseh amen okay let's there's got to be some good parts in here pastor okay yeah there there really really is so Daniel's going to be our primary example Shadrach Meshach and Abednego you know the their Babylonian names of think put yourself in Daniel's shoes maybe you could identify okay Daniel what we know about Daniel uh, Daniel, I, I read one. I, don't, I I trust it's accurate that he was 16 years old at 587 B.C. when he when he saw his nation invaded, his city destroyed, his temple burned down, and he himself he wasn't murdered, but he and the other three were taken among others as uh, they said, leave the poor in the land. I don't Nebuchadnezzar said, just leave the poor in the land, to fend for themselves. I don't want them. Kill everybody else. But if anybody looks gifted, if anybody looks smart, if anybody looks elite, bring them back to the palace. Well, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were counted as four that the the Babylonians could get some use out of. Well, what we know about Daniel and his character is that he's a godly man, a devoted man, a God-fearing man, and a praying man. All right, well, let's just put it. At the time that he sees this happening, maybe he's hearing what the prophets have decreed. I know he's a 16-year-old, but he doesn't have Xbox. You know, so maybe, he, maybe he's aware of what's going on. Well, let's just say Daniel, he prayed. He didn't want his nation to go this way. He didn't want to see his nation abandon their covenant. He didn't want to see. It bothered him to see his nation go dark and abandon God and kill its children and oppress the poor. And celebrate sexual immorality and worship in pagan temples. Maybe that bothered Daniel. Amen? I know. Like I said, I love America, but I I hate what America's become. There's a lot of good still left. But nationally, if I was God, what's God gonna do? He's gonna have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah if he doesn't judge us pretty quick. So here, see, if maybe you said, I prayed, Pastor, I prayed, I prayed, Daniel prayed. I'm not saying God doesn't answer prayer, but I'm saying some things, your prayer, my prayer, isn't going to change. You know, like 2 Timothy 3, don't turn there, where Paul said, in the last of the last of the last days, the end of time, there is no more. Perilous times will come, and people will be like this, and it'll be fierce, and people will be brutal, they'll be truce. And we'll get into that at some point well, your prayer and intercession, my prayer and intercession is not going to change that. It's it's here and it's not going to leave. Do you think Daniel wanted to be carried away? Castrated? See, all these things happened to him as he was taken away. And so, you know, um, but let's look before we leave tonight about what life was like for the righteous man, right? For, for one that stayed devoted to God through it all. Amen. What, what was life like? Are we, I'm just asking. You just make your own determination. Are we heading into a period of time where as Christians we're going to have to live like a Daniel in Babylon? Well, maybe we can learn something. Uh, you know, could, could there come a dramatic shift? Of course there could. But I'm just kind of seeing the writing on the wall. It's just, you know, whatever. And so, uh, praise God. Um, anyway, I could identify with Daniel in some things here. Let's, you're in chapter 1, right? Let's just pick it up in the first verse. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and he besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God. See, his temple got raided. The church got raided. You think he wanted that? You think he prayed against it? I bet he did. Still happened. Which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, little g, and he brought the vessels, holy vessels, right, into the treasure house of his God, false God, little g. And the king spoke unto this guy, Ashpenaz or whatever, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes children in whom there was no blemish, but was well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, like I told you before, and whom they might teach the learning of the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them uh, a daily provision of the king's meat or food and of wine which he drank so nourishing them three years. So in these few verses we've got three years of Daniel living in Babylon now. Alright? That at the end thereof they might stand before the king. So they've, these three years they've taken from their homeland, no doubt they've spent three years learning the king's ways. Learning to speak Chaldean. Right? Learning and they were you know, Babylonians are still heralded today for their work in astronomy uh their understanding of mathematics different things and so they learned all of this they learned the king's ways they're being trained to serve the king in whatever capacity the king wanted now in verse 6 now among these were of the children of judah daniel Hanani, or hananiah uh Mishael, however you pronounce his name and azariah now this is what you know is shadrach meshach and abednego but this is their real names Ananiah, Mish- Mishael, Nazariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hanani, Shadrach, to Mishael, uh, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now, read verse 8 with me and we'll stop a minute. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. So, you know, in studying Daniel and God emphasizing this to me, I see this. What, what can we learn? If we're going to be, as Christians, unwelcome, what we believe is unwelcome. I don't care who's president. What we believe, to most people out there, is unwelcome. You know, we actually believe that there's right and wrong. We actually believe we're supposed to in things like absolute truth. You know, like in marriage, traditional marriage, God-made marriage. You know, that there's only uh, two genders. You know, we're still supposed to believe this stuff. I hope you do, right? Well, look at the nation. You know, Biden's assistant health secretary is a man dressed like a woman who had surgery to try to be a woman. So now at the head of, right, the number two person at our national health agency is someone who is the picture of mental illness. No, I'm not kidding. That's absolutely right. Absolutely the truth. God help us. Amen. So listen, so what, how much of this can we change? I don't know. We should try. We should keep praying. We should keep interceding. I don't know how much we can turn. I don't know how much we can change. But I know this. If I'm going to live, if you're going to live like a Daniel in Babylon... We better do what he did. One of the first things it says about him is he. the Amplified says he determined. He made a solemn decision. I'm not going to defile myself. I am not going to defile myself. Even though, come on, think about Daniel. Even though I'm living and all I see is pagan temples and every vestige of my religion is gone. They won't even maybe let me have a Torah or the scriptures to read. I'm speaking a different language. They're saying things, believing things, doing things that I abhor even the way they eat is not the way I'm supposed to eat. And he said, I will not defile myself. I want to encourage you tonight, moving forward. You need to make a decision to, to work hard, especially young people and you kids. You've got to pay attention. You need to pay attention every day. Don't let this weirdness... And, and wrongness, and darkness, and sexual perversion that's seeped into the culture, get on you. Don't let it get in your thinking. Don't let it get in your heart. Amen. And moms and dads, you have a grave responsibility to nurture your children, to guard their minds, to expose them to the truth. The, the Bible needs to be a fixture in your home. You've got to guard what's coming in. Amen. Amen but we need to determine amen and you know what this meant for him this meant you know the guy he reported to he had to say and i want you to notice this he was respectful one of the traits about these four men is they were not sarcastic say i had to be repent you know i just want to i see some of this stuff and i just want to get in the flesh But back then, if Daniel got in the flesh, they'd just throw him in the burning fiery furnace. They'd just flush him, just get rid of him with all the rest of the Hebrews. So he had to have wisdom to navigate life in exile. But when it meant violating the word, that's where he drew the line. I'm sure he adapted to things. Maybe he accepted you know, and didn't get offended every time they called him Belteshazzar, right? Maybe he he adapted himself in some ways in the culture he was living in, right? But when it came to violating the word, that's where he drew the line. Now, I've heard a lot in the last year since COVID restrictions and all this thing about obeying the laws of the land. Well, you're going to have to determine where that line is. Amen? You're going to have to, because I'm not going to play. God help me. Not if it means violating the word. You know, right now, the way the new Congress is, if you say father, or mother, or boy, or girl, or husband, or wife, or his, or hers, in the chamber, you will be censored you will be punished on some level. And you ought to watch your elected representatives to see if they drink that Kool-Aid. But here's the thing. If we're ordered, if, right? If we're ordered, you got to let boys in your girls' bathroom. I, I'm sorry, I can't play. We're going to have conflict. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I, I, I can't play that. Well, you, you can't say his or hers. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But see, in this food thing, Daniel went to the one he reported to and he said, Look, I fear the Lord my God. And I'm not supposed to eat that food. That's just my religion. And he had favor. That's another thing we'll talk about in a minute. He had favor with this guy. And he just said, Well, look, I don't, this is my paraphrase, I don't mind you eating what you want to eat. But, if you go into the king looking sickly and malnourished, it's my head. That's what he said. It's my head. And so Daniel had wisdom. He said, test us 10 days. Let us eat a Hebrew diet. Let us eat a kosher diet. And at the end of 10 days, look at us. Check us. Now see, that's skillful. That's not disrespectful. That's not outright rebellion, but he's, he's, doing, he's standing firm. At the end of 10 days... He, they lined them up and they compared their countenance, their color, the strength of their... And he, the guy admitted, you look better. You look better. Now, that's not because of the diet. That's because of obedience. Right. Obedience to God. Don't think, oh, I need to find out that diet. Oh, come on. No, it's not that. It's the obedience. It's the, it's the dedication. It's the, it's the blessing of God on someone that says, I'm going to be a doer of the word. So what do we learn? Number one, as a Christian exile, welcome to Babylon, we're in it. We've been in it. I'm just pointing it out. We in it, and it's getting worse. <laughs> Ooh, glory. <laughs> Amen. We get it. Yeah. Hey, God's liking this. It's what he put on my heart to preach. Then we are going to have the purpose. I'm not going to be defiled. Everybody around me can be totally defiled and compromised. I will not. Every single one of us. And listen, that's going to cost you likes on Facebook. That's going to cost you friends. That's going to cost you. And look at what they're doing out there. You don't like. They just, they're going to follow you around. And they're going to say, don't hire this person. They're going to cancel you. Are you willing to be canceled for Christ? Ooh, that's a T, where's Melissa at? I get the trademark on that. The T-shirt is coming. We're all going to buy one. Canceled for Christ. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We might pay off the building. Yeah, it's coming. But I am serious. Listen, sweet, we've got to move on. This is the conviction of my heart. Never before since the founding of the United States of America, no Christian that I know of in any season has had to even think about facing what we're facing. And so we've been spoiled for 250 years. 200, whatever, we've been spoiled. But now, like our other brothers and sisters in foreign lands, our faith in Jesus is going to have to mean something. Or is your faith in Jesus strong enough? Is it stronger than your color? Is it stronger than your employment? See, we've never had to face this before. Is your dedication to the Word stronger than your desire to have a reputation? To be accepted? This is why we need the church. And listen, don't you worry, sweetheart. The more they persecute the church, the more powerful we will become. That is the pattern of God's people from the Old Testament. The more they persecute us, the more, right? I like the meme I saw. Uh, Christianity can survive the destruction of America. America cannot survive the destruction of Christianity. But listen, what have I been preaching? I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are that church. We are a remnant. We are a local assembly. Right? There are others. But we are one. And we need each other. We've been called together. We need to stand together. We need to encourage one another. Amen? But I'm just telling you. So look at verse 9. I mentioned this. The next thing that we see here in verse 9 is, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and I want you I'm, I'm gonna be expecting this this year God's gonna give us favor with the very people who would otherwise oppress us amen God's gonna give us favor they won't know why they won't know why they they're set up in their mind to persecute you tonight but they're gonna end up doing you a favor and it'll be God amen oh i don't know how that could ever happen it happened before in egypt those people that whipped them whipped those hebrews told them get to work put hard burdens on them made them build brick in the sun a few days later they're knocking on the door saying can i have that rolex and they go yeah i have it go ahead I mean, just gave them all their riches and their furs and their gold and their silver that's favor go read it amen So what can we expect as a Christian in Babylon in exile? Favor. Come on, favor. Hallelujah. All right. Amen. So another thing I want to point out, and I probably touched it. Daniel refused to compromise the word of God regardless of the culture he found himself in. Look at verse 15 through 17 in chapter 1. At the end of the ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's food. Look at verse 17. And for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So see, now what can we expect? Divine knowledge, divine wisdom, supernatural skill because we'll need it. And get this gifts of the Spirit gifts of the Spirit Daniel was given understanding that bailed them out several times a decree gone out by the king saying tell me what dream I had last night tell me what it means and if you don't I'm gonna kill you all of you and your dog too that's the Cody translation but it's pretty accurate and Daniel goes oh man that means me and so what does he do he goes to God in prayer and God says, lest you perish, right? The gifts of the Spirit kick in. And the power of God flows, and God reveals divine secrets. Amen. What could we expect as Christians? God revealing unto us divine secrets that will bring us deliverance, that will rescue our lives. Amen. So in chapter 2, we have the king having the, dream of the right he wouldn't even tell them what the, he forgot what the dream was but he told that the, the the image of gold right and so not only did Daniel and the three Hebrew children not die they got promoted what can we expect wow. as I told you if you'd hang in with me you'd be blessed <laughs> amen what can we expect in the exile Come on, if we'll follow God, if we'll be devoted, if we will not compromise, God will stand with us and the very people that were persecuting us will promote us. Okay, hallelujah. I'm I'm happy. I'm preaching myself happy. Hallelujah. Let's try to close this up. Amen. Okay, praise God. Uh, Another thing that we see studying is that Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, is that they conducted themselves with wisdom while they lived in exile. Number one, well, they didn't probably boycott every business in the culture. And I hear this a lot, right, too. And I've been part of it, too. Oh, God, bless God, we're going to boycott that. And we're not going to drink that coffee, and we're not going to have a cell phone anymore. Daniel, come on, I'm preaching to myself. Daniel probably didn't do that. He didn't boycott every bagel shop in Babylon. I mean it's okay to buy a bagel in Babylon, okay? What they say that that bagel shop in Babylon, they worship false gods. Well, you know, you know who the real God is, right? So we gotta be, we need to take a stand where we can take a stand. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we need to be balanced. We are living in Babylon. It's not saying to eat a bagel. <laughs> right? yeah yeah so don't 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 start griping at me about my starbucks if the lord deals with me i'll give it up but he hadn't thank you thank you amen i have witnessed to a bunch of people in there and a lot of us have anyway so number one living in babylon you got to use wisdom right They were not, this is something very noticeable as you study, Daniel. They were respectful to the king and to the authority. Even when they were rebelling against him. Even when they put their foot down. You know, you look at uh, chapter 3, which is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the burning, fiery furnace. They, They were very respectful. They addressed him as, O king, they were respectful. But what did they say? I'm not going to bow. That's another t-shirt, right? I'm not going to bow. That's not as good as canceled for Christ, but anyway, amen. We have to be prepared to not bow. Amen. We have to remember something Jesus said. If you are ashamed of me in front of people, I will be ashamed of you before, the, before my Father and the angels in heaven. We have got to be willing to, stay, to take a real stand for Jesus. Amen? I'm just saying we need to prepare our hearts. The third thing I see real quick talk, under this banner of wisdom is they chose their battles wisely. Right? They only stood up to ungodly authority when they tried to force them to compromise their faith or break the word. So, for instance, when um, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel told him about the dream, he's all about this image now. So what he does, he goes built a 60 or 90-foot tall gold statue of himself and then has the band strike up a tune and say, Now everybody's got to bow to me when the music starts playing. In other words, everyone here is going to drink this Kool Aid, and there's going to be consequences for anyone that doesn't. They'll be thrown into the furnace that melted all this gold for my statue. Well, what is, what is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to do? I don't know where Daniel was, but anyway, he's on vacation. He's on leave. You know, he, didn't, he didn't have to face this, apparently. But what happened? Well, I have before you. You know, somebody gave me this, two, two tablets of stone, right? And on the finger of God many thousands of years ago on Mount Sinai, right, wrote commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they can't act like they don't know that. Hello? Too late. They can't act like they don't know that. Y'all know what commandment number two is? It's okay. What's it say? You shall not make for yourself any idol. That's commandment number two. What did Nebuchadnezzar make for himself? An idol. So here they are faced. What are they going to do? They can, out of fear, out of political correctness, out of not wanting to make waves, in an effort to keep their lives out of harm's way, hello, because they're facing a lot more than being canceled on social media. But notice what they did. Respectfully, O King, we cannot... We will not break commandment number one and commandment number two. Hey, everybody, there's ten of these. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right? I'm not going to bow down and worship government. I, I, I can't act like these commandments are not here. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall remember the Sabbath day. You shall keep it holy. You shall honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. Remember what Jesus said about adultery? It's so all this sexualness going on, this, you know, this sexual flood going on there. We better guard. Jesus said, If you look on upon a woman to lust after her, you've done it. You've committed adultery with her or him in your heart. You shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor you shall not covet now these three men living in exile they were willing to die to keep this that you read the account they looked happy to die they said oh king we're not gonna bow we're not gonna bow and our God is able to deliver us out of your hand. Oh, but P.S. on that. And it says, and he shall. See, you've got to have faith that God will stand with you when it counts. Listen, we're going to find this out. It's going to be a glorious day. It's going to be tough. But I tell you what, if you'll stand for Jesus and for his word when it counts, God will stand with you in the fire. Amen. He will stand with us in the fire. Whatever season's coming, God's going to stand with us if we will stand with Him. They were willing to die for this. That our God is able to deliver us, O okay, King, and He will. But P.S., even if He doesn't, we still ain't going to bow. That's what there was, that was their mind. They were so determined. Die, not die. Deliver, not delivered. We're sorry, King. We've been serving you. We're willing to continue serving you, but we can't do this. Amen? The same thing happened, and I will close. same thing happened to Daniel in Daniel chapter 6 under a different pagan king, under the king, uh, king Darius. Now, King Darius and Daniel, they were tight. They had a good relationship. But all the people, I can hear Faith. She's singing the VeggieTales song right now. now the people that were conspiring around Daniel, they didn't like Daniel having the favor with the king he did. And so they tricked the king into signing a 30-day decree for one month that no man, nowhere, anywhere can pray to any god except you. And they walked in and put that piece of paper in front of the king, and the king, that stroked his ego. That made him feel good. He goes, yeah, let's do that for a month, and signed it and forgot that Daniel wouldn't do that. And the penalty was... If they pray to any other god other than you, King Darius, let them be thrown in the den of lions. And the Medes had a, had a law that even the king was subject to that once a decree is made, it cannot be changed. Well, Daniel, he's privy. He might have been there when the king put his signet ring in and, and verified that decree. What did Daniel go do? Anybody remember? He went home. He opened the windows, y'all. And he committed a premeditated crime in Babylon. He got down on his knees as he did every day, three times a day. And he prayed to his God. And they caught him. But come on, you know the story. King tried to get out of it, but he can't. And he said, oh, God, uh, Daniel, the God you serve, let him deliver you. And they threw him down in that den of lions. Amen. Came the next day, and guess what? Daniel's still breathing. They pulled him up out of there. And Daniel said, yeah, I'm still here, King. The God I serve. Come on, the God I serve sent his angel. What can we expect? What can we expect? As Daniel's living in Babylon, the angels of God protecting us. I love how Dr. Jacob said it. He got one of those kitties and put it up against the wall. That angel did and said, simmer down to all the lions. And that angel just stood there. Daniel curled up next to one of them to keep warm, went to sleep. Got up the next day and the angel left. Those ain't, you know those lions were hungry because, notice, Daniel's enemies were thrown into the pit and they were dead before their bodies hit the ground. That's how hungry the lions were. I encourage you, obviously, it's, it's seven minutes past time here, so we're going to let you go, but this book, is rich with prophetic insight i hadn't even gotten to that but i've been restudying it daniel had amazing prophecies letting us know on the geopolitical the kingdoms that will rise the kingdoms that will fall and i'm sorry y'all america is not voiced in the big picture of what's going to happen that sets the stage for the anna. it's going to shift from the west to the east the power structure in america We should pray against it. We should stand against it. We should vote. We should pray. We should let our voice be heard. We should intercede. But again, we're only going to change this last day program so far. What we have to do is to prepare ourselves to live victoriously in an unwelcome land. Right? Where darkness is increasing and rescue as many precious souls as we can. With the gospel, Amen. The pastor loves you, Amen? Amen. You love Pastor, Pastor.